I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Robbo's the newest winner in V8 competition. Gonna have to reevaluate what my goals are for the year. Wing Cup sets a retirement date, and now the future car are the focus of everyone in the sport. Probable increase in manufacturing support and the sharp reduction in the cost of the racing car will result in a much financial position going forward for all our petty owners. We wrap up Hidden Valley today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Jamie Winkup found his first win at Hidden Valley as challenging as any of his five previous wins in the 2009 season. Uh, it might look easy at the front, but it's certainly n- not that. Uh, we had an awesome battle with Garth at the start of the race. I uh, thought it was going to come down to the pit stops. He had uh, awesome pace on the on the soft tyres. He obviously had a problem in the pit, so I had a bit of a clear run. It was pretty straightforward. Wing Cup may have not got the pole, that honour reserved for Jason Richards, who suffered a bench shock absorber shaft, which found him battling for seventh position. Second place was a much happier Frosty Winterbottom, who was hoping that this result might start to turn around a lacklustre season. Great to get some points and show that our cars aren't as bad as what sometimes... Um, you read about, I guess, sometimes when, when you don't get results, they don't look as good as what they are. So, Third place saw Will Davison continue his strong run in 2009. It's very early days, so I've just got to keep these points ticking over, and we're doing that really nicely at the moment, and hopefully we can seriously hit, hit our straps soon and uh, improve our pace and performance. But, you know, we've been very solid, but I've certainly still got, uh, got to improve, and I, I think I can do it. Race 10. And the first new winner in over 60 races was crowned with Gary Rogers once again proving that he's the best mentor of young drivers in the business. Michael Caruso claiming the victory in a faultless performance. For Gary Rogers Motorsport, this is a very big thing. We're a a low-budget team, so um, to come away with a race win against some of the teams that have, uh, you know, won championships, won Bathurst many times, and um, again, yeah, it's, it's very good. We've been working really hard behind the scenes, and... I mean, only being a year and a half into V8 supercars, I wouldn't have ever imagined to have a race win under my belt. We will hear more from Michael in this week's White Flag Lap. Alex Davison had the tyre strategy to almost pull off the win, a second placing starting to change the way he views the sprint tyre concept. At Winton, we had a drama in in the pit lane where I got a penalty. At at Tassie, we had a mistake with the tyre pressures and they were massively overinflated, so that race was a was a throwaway so that's probably why I've been so negative about the the soft tyre races because I haven't had a result out of it so I'm a bit selfish like that but uh it was really good fun carving through today when you're going so much faster than everybody else it's sort of like stealing candy from a baby and it's it is enjoyable so 
Craig Lowndes continued the pig's solid performances this year with another podium. I was happy with third considering uh, what happened in the early in the race. Following event five of the championship, Wing Cup leads the field on 144 points over the first of the HRT drivers, Will Davison. Garth Tander is 318 points back from Wing Cup with Lowndes a further 48 points behind. Lee Holsworth makes up the top five. Jamie Winkup has told Wheels Magazine that he's going to retire from motor racing at the top level when he turns 30. Winkup is currently negotiating his contract with Triple Eight Race Engineering, with it already fraying some at the team that parts of the negotiations are being leaked to the media. Retiring at 30 harkens back to the amateur age of sports, where many Australia's top sportsmen and women stepped away from their sports to support their families and ensure that they had a financial future. It's rare in this day and age of a professional elite sportsmen would walk away from their sport when they could physically be at the top level for another 10 plus years. Inside Motorsport spoke to one of NASCAR's greatest champions and gentleman, Ned Jarrett, about why he walked away from motor racing at a very young age. Actually, my career as a, what is now NASCAR Winston Cup driver, it was called Grand National back then, was relatively short. I only ran about six and a half years in, in the series, and I, of course, got to race against Richard Petty and David Pearson, Junior Johnson, and Curtis Turner, and... Maybe some of the fans over there have heard of some of those uh, great names from, from the uh, early part. I know they've heard of Richard Petty. Uh, but we were very fortunate in the six and a half years that I ran to win 50 races and two championships during that period of time. Retired at the what it would be considered a very young age, 34, when I retired. I had accomplished the goals that I had set for myself and vowed that however far up the ladder I got, I'd quit while I was there. I would not go down the other side. And also, we were comparing ourselves with athletes in other sports. Our sport at that time was not old enough to, to really, we didn't know how long you could continue to race and be effective. And so we had to compare ourselves with uh, other sports, athletes there. And uh, we figured, well, you get in your mid-30s, well, then you're going to start losing a little bit of the the edge that you might have had with youth. Uh, we've learned since then, certainly, that race drivers can go much longer than that. As a matter of fact, they normally get better as time goes by. And uh, so I don't really have a lot of regrets about quitting that early. Uh, I would have been interested to see what maybe we could have done if we would have continued on uh, even half as long as Richard Petty did. But, uh, but we're we're thrilled with, the, with our career and the way that it went. Tony Cochran has laid out his plans for the next six months as executive chairman, with Mark Scaife working on the car of the future, Campbell Little working on the implementation of real cost savings on the current cars. The V8 Supremo gave a critical press conference. Here are some of the highlights. The recent team owners forum on the Gold Coast, a range of cost reduction initiatives being by all team owners present. These are now notified owners under the REC and the technical department is preparing the business case for each item. As each item is approved by the board, it will then be added to the rule book as a matter of urgency, because I am determined that I have a mandate to deliver a real cost reduction to every team in this championship. We have been criticised in the past for how slowly we have moved on these issues. I intend to change that perception. I included in this uh, press release today the approved list of 14 items 
which apparently being worked on under this, under this business case scenario. A review of the race and technical departments of VASA. After the resignation of Campbell Little, I have decided in my new executive chairman's role to undertake a total review of these departments and the view to restructuring both areas. I will be undertaking this work with the full support of the board and without interference from anyone. I expect to have the new structure of people in place in time for the Sandown event, round seven of this year's championship. Clearly our current structure has some faults and I intend to rectify that situation so we can move forward in a positive environment. As for our press announcement of earlier this past week, I am delighted to announce the unfilled position of independent director on the board of VA Supercars Australia. This has been filled by Mark Scape, Car of the Future. The board has also, also decided with the announcement of Mark as the board director to appoint him as chairman of this very important committee. Mark will be joined on this committee by one Holden and one Ford director, as well as the CTD and myself as executive chairman. He will have the power to co-op additional people to act in an advisory capacity on this committee as he sees fit from time to time. This committee will then report back to the board meeting in September with a view to putting their findings to a full team owners forum in November. This committee has a wide wide reach as possible and will talk to as many manufacturers as possible. Our only stimulation going forward is that it has some type of V8 engine as a power plant and that the new COF has a top end price of 250000 Australian dollars cost to our teams per car. Without increases of being franchises, indeed I remain a firm personal supporter of reducing them to 28 the probable increase in manufacturer support and the sharp reduction in the cost of the racing cars will result in a much stronger financial position going forward for all our team owners. It is envisioned that this first year of racing with the COF will be season 2012. However, an introduction perhaps by some way of phasing it in could possibly occur in the latter half of 2011. The final decision on timing will come in the first quarter of next year. I did announce in the team's forum we are considering splitting the calendar next year into two phases with a mid-year break in late July through to mid-September. Despite the global financial situation, we still remain highly sought after as a championship. Certainly the possibility exists for us to expand either next year or the year after to 16 events. We will make further calendar announcements on this in the coming months. I would like to reiterate my comments of last night at the government reception. Our relationship with the Northern Territory Government is one of our longest and most cherished contractual relationships and friendships. It has stood the test of time now for 12 years and has seen great benefit to both sides of this strong partnership. Hidden Valley continues to be one of the best maintained permanent circuits in this country and this event is a true credit to the Northern Territory Events Management and their total professionalism. In closing, I have read with some interest some of the other garbage written about some type of crisis involving our sport and our management. Let me assure everyone in the wider motorsport community, VOC has an extremely strong management team, a strong and cohesive board, a solid financial position, in fact the envy of many sports with almost no borrowings at all. An exciting and very, very prosperous future. There are no energy 
concerns whatsoever in V8 Supercars Australia. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. Up next, Aaron Noonan and Tony Whitlock. And later we speak with Michael Caruso. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders this week. Joining us from the top end still is a man who was as seen on Today Tonight, and fortunately for Tony Whitlock, it wasn't kicking in your doors. Yes, good evening. Good evening to you. And also from Seven Sport, it's Aaron Noonan. Good afternoon, Aaron. My door is uh, still in place, I'm happy to tell you, Craig. You haven't got Matthew White kicking down the doors because you did a fantastic job the other week and uh, I just wanted to say that up front because uh, if you could get the other two larrikins in the box to shut up we'd actually find out what's going on <laughs> good luck with that yes uh, guys we have seen races nine and ten of the championship be completed up there in event five and Tony it was interesting to see Jamie Winkup manage to uh, just completely dominate that first race he is on his game, and that was just totally uh, another showing of it. Um, it also was a, a reminder, I thought, of again that um, <coughs> the series shouldn't get out of bed for less than 200 k's. It, it, um, the 100k races just are boring because uh, they just end up in processions. Aaron, what's your thought on the short race on Saturday? Uh, I, well, I guess my view is probably the same as Tony's, but I'd take it one step further. In uh, I think the, the spring tyre has been a great addition this year, but really it oh, should yeah. be limited to the Sunday race because we've got people telling us that we've now got two separate races. The fact is they're not. They're still um, intertwined, given that you can use yeah. the tyre over either of the race. And, and I'd argue that you know you divide up a 200-kilometre race in the same way that you divide up a 100 and a 200 over a weekend, you can still use the tyre at the start, in the middle, or the end. So the strategic element is still going to come into play. And for a TV viewer or for anyone following V8s on a Sunday who didn't watch on the Saturday, um, they, have to do a bit of head, they, they have to do a bit of homework and a bit of headwork on figuring out who's got tyres left or who doesn't or who's run it for X amount of laps. Let's make it simple, and I don't think it'll really change... Um, what the tie is there to do, and that's to mix things up. I, th I think we'll still get that in the one race. And look, the 100k race, I think any short sprint race like that's generally going to generally struggle to be a, a memorable epic encounter. But um, it's probably a, a good way to warm up for the weekend. I'd I'd rather see a race on Saturday than not. It's yeah, yeah, I, I would too, Aaron. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with you that they shouldn't link the two races. They should be the two separate races. And I reckon the series came of age when it became 26 races. None of this three sprint rounds or any of that sort of thing. It's far, far better that these 26 races, but they should all be of 
200 k's minimum length to make them interesting. They would not have the tyres going across whether you can use them in this one or the other one sort of thing. I, I agree. Yeah. I think uh, what we're seeing at the moment, though, is continually V8 supercars is trying to get themselves to the one race weekend, but they can't manage it yet. And whether they don't think they can bring their fans, whether they don't think they can bring I, their teams to it and have 26 I, I races... Yeah, I think there is another part to it, and it, it's called the Mighty Dollar. Mm. And events like Adelaide show, you run four days, you get 300,000 people. And that um, that while they have the opportunity to get a large crowd on a, a Saturday as well as a Sunday, they will continue it. They won't drop to one race. But the qualifying, I hate the shootout, Aaron. It is one lap for 10 cars that is absolutely boring television, and it's mundane when you're at the racetrack. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think I think it's uh, it's an absolutely critical element of Bathurst. Um, obviously, Philip Island has a different format now with two races determining the grid for the Sunday race. Um, I, I think you may be right. I think the hurry flurry of the twenty minute session on a Sunday morning has um, has proven to be a bit of a hit. I know it's it's unfair in some respects that we have a driver who has to go through three legs of qualifying to get a pole on Saturday. And then another one on Sunday who just has to be fastest after 20 minutes. So I really think that the, the hurry-flurry of this guy goes to the top and this guy gets pushed up, um, there's two minutes to go, oh, are they going to make it? Can they get back out in time? Can they get temp in their tyres? Um, makes that qualifying session really good. And, and what we've seen the shootouts this year with the different weather conditions, guys like in Tassie where Tanda ran first having been 10th and took pole, um, and then we had the guys who had some green tyres left up for the shootout. So really we only had in that point two or three guys capable of taking pole. Yeah. Um, maybe that brings it into perspective of, uh, of what we need there. But I, I'd, I'd like to see simply all-in uh, qualifying brawls both days. I mean, I, I do like the concept of the one-lap shootout against the top, but I think let's leave it for Bathurst. That's where it has, uh, where the, the stage is set and the drama uh, really unfolds, and it's a 30-year tradition, Bathurst, you've got to remember, too. So may, maybe keep it for the um, the marquee event, which was, uh, you know, in years gone by, we had top 10 shootout, but for, for those big ones, we had top 15. So maybe we just keep the shootout for, for Clipsal, Bathurst, uh, the marquee event. Mm. Now, it, it is interesting because you, you brought up a great point and you said it's not fair that one guy goes through three legs of qualifying for pole, the next guy goes through 20 minutes. But you have the same thing when we go to the 100, 200-kilometre race, don't we? Did no, Michael right. Caruso's right. job on Sunday, which we haven't got to yet, to go 200 k's in that heat, in those conditions, under the, uh, under the tyre strategies and everything that was going on around him, was that the same achievement as what Wing Cup did on the Saturday to go his 100 kilometres because let me tell you, the record book shows the points being equal for both physical events. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but it's apples and oranges. I mean, we've been doing this for 50 years with this championship. You know, you, you try to compare the era of the present versus the era that's gone by and you just never can. And even comparing year to year... Um, I really would. Um, I mean, you get this, you get double points for winning Bathurst. I'd liken it to you score the same amount of points in the IRL IndyCar Series for winning the Indianapolis 500 as you do for some 250 lap round and roundy at Iowa Speedway. So um, yeah, but I, you I do get a million every, dollars every for winning Indy. You do get a million dollars for winning Indy, Aaron. <laughs> oh. 
let's see how much of that that Elio Castro never got to see this year. I think most of that went to the IRA. Mm, probably. <laughs> But, Tony, your thoughts on, on the disparity. I, I, look, I think, and before you start, I, I think my, my thing is 100-kilometre race gets one-third of that event's points and the 200-kilometre race gets two-thirds of that points, just like a two 200 races gets even points and two 250s get even points. In terms of television, uh, you know, whether the rating show or not, I don't know, and I don't really sit down and bother going through it, but, uh, you know, the Sunday race um, was probably the best race of the year, I think, uh, that race. But in terms of keeping it uh, alive, I mean, certainly it was the softest safety car this side of the Daytona 500, but, you know, it still provided that spark and gave Alex Davison the opportunity, and he, you know, almost got it. Um, I, I really think that the 100k races are gone. History part of part of the past, and just leaves it there and make every race a, a 200 or 250 or whatever during the, the rest of the series. Um, the disparity, well, you know, life's not fair. I mean, it gets to it. I think variety is one of the great things. I mean, the Champ Car when it's, it's peak and it had street courses, road courses, it had you know the ovals, the mini ovals, the whole thing. I, I think it's fantastic. We don't have that variety. But we do have and can have variety of uh, race links, and I think that's fair. That um, that we have the same points for whether it's 100 or 200. No, uh, you know, don't mess it up too Keeps much. Keeps it the same for the fans. You turn up to a racetrack, you know that the winner gets. You know, the point score has changed so many years in our uh, category over the last 15 or 20. Um, the I think there's only been two point. years. No, oh, don't start. Don't start. <laughs> but it's simply, let's keep it simple. I mean, for years, if you followed Formula One, you knew it was nine six four three two one, and then 10 in the, the latter years for the win. With V8, yeah. even people in V8 supercar racing don't know what the points were in 2000, 2001, 2002, because they changed all the time. Let's keep it, excuse me, let's keep it simple. Guy wins race, guy gets 150 points. Well done. No matter how long the race is. Mm. Yeah, well, you, you, you talk about the uh, the former stop scafe point scoring system that was adopted, and uh, it, it is funny now that we have got to such what seems to be an equal playing field, and yet one team can still dominate so much that another team has to protest and then protest about not having a protest. Well, would you like me to throw a curveball in here, gentlemen, and something that was raised in Darwin? Forgive the dog. You can. Um, the uh, the concept was raised in Darwin at Tony Cochran's press conference about the chase for the championship, i.e. along the lines of the NASCAR Sprint Cup where the last 10 races are basically for a playoff series. Um, and it was said that that was voted down at board level 6-2. to two. And um, I think there's real merit in it. There is real merit in it. If you think about it this way, we go to Bathurst. It's our biggest race of the year. It's the biggest thing going. And uh, we drop off the face of the map for the last four events. Gold Coast, obviously, is a big event. But outside of the Gold Coast, I don't think it generates the sort of publicity that we probably think it does. Then we go to Bahrain. So we're the, on the other side of the planet, in the middle of the night on television. Then we yeah. go to the other side of the country to Barbagallo. And then we have the Sydney 500. So I've had numerous people say to me in December of a given season, oh, gee, are you guys still racing? Because we we've yeah. fallen off the national, we could relaunch it, come up with a sprint type system uh, that after Bathurst, the top ten in the championship are eligible. Obviously, let's face it, no one outside the top four off can win the championship in the last ten years anyway, with four rounds to go. Sorry, four events to go. But um, and obviously, it would disadvantage guys who have done a lot of winning. But that's what it's done in Sprint Cup, and um, it's 
a lot of the people who thought it wouldn't work in NASCAR have been converts to it over the last few years. So I reckon there's real merit in it, and it's, uh, it's that I'm uh, doing a little bit of work on that you might see pop up in the media in the next few weeks. All right. Now, uh, just before we go to the break, Tony, I want you to have your say, because uh, years and years ago when I was a lad and uh, you were a young man, the whole thing was that uh, we got to July and thus ended the sprint calendar. We then went into August into enduro mode. Yes. We had the sprint championship and the endurance racing championship. Am I uh, missing something here? Is this back to the future, perhaps? Oh, no, that's back when we had more manufacturers involved and all those sort of things. Um, just on that manufacturer thing, it's interesting, you know, that this talk of you know trying to get other manufacturers. I've always believed that we have eight or ten manufacturers, and... In recent times, CVs have been paying more attention to the teams because there are chassis made by Triple Eight and there are chassis made by Stone Brothers and they're all versions of an FG. And they're the ones I call the chassis makes. They're not Ford and Holden. You know, it, it's it's not a two-make series at all. It's a 10 or 12-make series. Mm. Um, and, yeah, you know, there are more. there's more variety in our chassis than there is in Formula One almost. Because, you know, there's several cars made by, you know, the same manufacturers. Mm. Um, anyway, um, on the calendar, oh, you know, yes, it's a series now that encompasses maybe, you know, it'll be 16 races and be uh, 16 events rather, and it'll be, you know, 36 races or something like that. But uh, I, I've got to a stage now where, you know, you tell me what it is and I'll accept it. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a break and we'll be back with plenty more on the V8 Insiders. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders as Race Facts' Tony Whitlock and Channel 7's Aaron Noonan join me, Craig Revelling. And guys, we, we're into a very heavy but very interesting discussion and Tony has announced it because he figured none of these guys can keep their uh, mouth shut that I deal with. We're going to have a split season. Do you remember never, ever will we have a break in the middle of the year like we did a couple of years ago? Hmm. I also remember being told never ever reverse grid races if uh, doesn't mean what it used to. I'm thinking rule, rule one of sport, Craig. Never <laughs> say never. Yeah, exactly. Particularly when there is a lot of money and a lot of people involved. And uh, look, <laughs> you've got to look at things. You've got to change things up. I mean, there are so many factors that determine this. There are the people who argue that, gee, we go missing then for a month or two off people's television screens. Well, the fact is, we're in the middle of the year. We're AFL and NRL pump V8 supercars into the ground. That's the simple fact of it. Mm. Let's go away. Let's give our crews and our teams and everyone who put in the big hours 
a chance to have a breath for four or five weeks, maybe six, and come back refreshed for the endurance races and let's finish it off for the second half of the year, which is a stacked second half of the year anyway. So let's... um. Let's uh, think about all the different elements of this because it really uh, it does have some merit. Even if we start maybe um, early March, um, it gives us a chance to squash in a lot of events early, have a little bit of a break, and then we'll keep going. But, Tony, wouldn't it be better just to have 16 events over 20 weeks and just start it in the middle of December? No, because one of the things you probably don't think about something I don't think about really because I don't think about what the other sports are but you know that's the reality is that V8's competing against other sports for the pocket and the dollars of the fans and the thing is that in this country there are three minimum uh, football codes that V8's go up against and it's not just one it's three and that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world I mean it's soccer and rugby in England um, soccer and a uh, very minor part in America and and then they've got ice hockey and it's like it. so there's a bombardment of the bloody uh, fans with uh, football in this country and I think it makes a lot of sense season. yeah having a split season I think makes a lot of sense well why don't we just race when the rest of the world races which is in the summer and we don't worry about football these, at all these, car, these cars and these drivers you couldn't cope with that sort of heat and if you detune the cars that much, they would just be that much boring. I mean, the great thing is the category is fantastic now because we don't have cars falling over because of badly designed or badly put together. Cars fall over because of finger problems occasionally, very occasionally, and those finger problems also encompass very occasionally drivers making mistakes on track. And, you know, like one DNF on Saturday's race, I think it was, and, or two, and then maybe one on Sunday. I mean, it just we just don't see the cars leaving the track because of a car problem. Mm. It's very rare. Uh, and a it's testimony a to the engineering. Yeah, it's a well-thought-out parity category, and therefore, you know, keep as much as you can. OK, we're going to go to a car of the future in some time. I'm, I'm dead against them changing it to a more standard road car, and that wouldn't be good anyway. Far too expensive to repair trying to replicate what a manufacturer makes on a, sh- on a chassis line in, in tens of thousands and you're trying to turn it back into a, a race car, mm-hmm. is, you know, you, you make them along NASCAR lines, but you, you, you don't, you know, get rid of totally what's a, a Falcon or a Commodore underneath there. So, Aaron, what's your thoughts on the composite car that's just built and then we just flip and put some stickers on it to whoever's going to be the supporting manufacturers? Uh, Sounds simple, doesn't it? But I I think what's probably been lost in the last couple of years, Craig, is that that's the way that building a V8 supercar has gone in the last three or four years anyway. Um, You take uh, the build process of the VE Commodore and... Oh, hang on. Sorry, a dog just... I think think Tony's just been attacked. Is this the first time that anyone's been mauled on V8 Insiders on air? It could be. I don't recall it, but at least it's not those Today Tonight reporters catching up with him. (laughs) Maybe maybe it is. It's all fine. It's all fine. It was just a dog barking through a fence at me. I just didn't know there was a dog there. It's great to see that we're on The walls are the top end. It's live. It's live. Where were we? Where were we? Hey, Tony's brave... Tony's Brave New World in uh, one answer, because we're going to do guess and go, in one answer. Firstly to you, Tony, Tony's Brave New World, is it going to work? I'm talking about Tony Cochran to Tony Whitlock. 
Yes, it is. It is, because Cochrane's the right man to actually revamp the, both the management of the series and the series, the way in which it's being done. He has a passion about it, and obviously, you know, he's had a long involvement in it in terms of the financial return to the teams, but he also has the knowledge now of it. I mean, not long-term as a CEO, but certainly in the short-term as acting CEO, he can rejig the thing so it'll actually work. It's head-kicking time, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, oh, it is. It's a, it's a really critical time. And, uh, look, he, he's got runs on the board. Uh, two years ago, there was uh, a few questions about TC. Um, look, I, I don't doubt that he's, uh, he's probably the man for it, um, but he's obviously got to build the crew and the team around him in terms of, of management and the like to... Um, to put people into those critical uh, key positions that we currently have um, either open or we, we need to create. Mm. All right, guys, guess and go. It's brought to you by the V8 Supercar Survey. Check out V8, this V8 Supercar Survey through the Big Pond and also through the Forex Angels V8 Supercar site. Guess and go. Five questions, three minutes. To Tony Whitlock first, who will be the next new winner in the series. We haven't even spoken about Michael Caruso that much tonight. No, no, certainly. Michael did a fantastic job. Anyway, quickly, uh, Will Davison, possibly Alex, but Will or Coulthard. Those are the three I pick. Aaron? Do we mean new this year or new for the first time ever? I was talking first time ever. Mm, I reckon we'll turn the sprinklers on somewhere in Shane Van Gisberg and we'll uh, do something pretty spectacular, but... Uh, uh, yeah, let's. I, I have a sneaking suspicion we may end up with a completely strange winner from a soft tyre race later in the year who perhaps um, would not have a snowflakes chance in hell of winning otherwise. Mm. What do you think, or well, what do you want to see in the car of the future, Aaron? Uh, an engine's a good start. Um, we could be here all night with that. Look, something that's, uh, that's less laborious for the crews, so they have to do less hours so they can... Um, Spend. Uh, there's so many teams who spend so much time at the track fiddling with cars and mucking around with cars. Let's make them simple so they're easy to fix and there's less things for them to muck around with and uh, less time to be chewed up by teams and crews. Yeah, 1,500 hours to make a chassis is far, far, far too long. I think the biggest thing is also to make them safer. I mean, to look at more uh, the driver being centred, uh, better uh, side intrusion safety so we don't have those deaths that we've had which have all been a result of cars trying to climb through the door of another one. Mm. Um, that's, I think, one of the, got to be one of the real things, because obviously it's something that draws attention to us in a very bad way. All right. Has the bloodletting at V8 Supercars been completed, Tony? No, no, there's more to come. There's 46 staff up there, and the series used to run on far less. Now, OK, it, it used to do far less, but I think there'll be more gone. I mean, too often at weekends you see people in black or grey shirts or whatever, or white shirts, and you go, who the heck are they, you know? Um, so, you know, there's more to come. Aaron, as long as it's not that V8 supercar television, I guess. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, look, Tony's right. I mean, if you, uh, you click your mind back through the last two or three years, I'd be interested to see what the total number of staff turnover has been, uh, V8 Supercars Australia. That's not certainly having a go. That's just a fact of life. Um, yeah, I think there'll be a few more changes yet to come and, a, a, and probably a few new changes in terms of new positions as well. So, yeah, I, to answer your question, no, I don't think it's stopped just yet. All right. Now, is 2012, maybe 2011, Tony's suggesting, for the new car going to be soon enough to keep all our teams alive? Aaron? Uh, 
I think the sport's got bigger issues than of keeping these teams alive than the introduction of a new car. Um, I think I could see a, a NASCAR-style car of tomorrow phasing in year. Maybe that's 2012 when we go with a half and half, and then we turn to it full time the next year. But uh, I think there's bigger, bigger issues or as big issues that uh, are affecting the teams and their ongoing longevity than just the, the changing car. Tony. Yes, I, I think that's true, but I also think you know we're about to enter that phase of uh, sea change again in drivers. There's a bunch of drivers there who did perform sort of back in the early uh, 2000s um, and late 90s, but who are now starting to be passed up and passed by, and the young guys are coming, and there's, there's kids in, in all sorts of other categories who have a cherry ripe to get into these cars and go and do it. And a bunch of team owners like Gary Rogers, they know it. And... Um, that you know, salaries will be under tighter scrutiny, so the superstars um, may not be uh, getting the jobs and the salaries that they used to get. Well, here's the final question: Is 30 the new 50? Can V8 supercar drivers not go to the uh, ripe old ages that we've seen from the Bowles, Brocks, and Johnsons, Tony? Oh, there's certainly no doubt that, that young is, is strong and. Uh, I mean, you've only got to look at what's happened in all categories here. We're in your old from New Zealand, who at the weekend was second in three Formula Ford races and disgracing kids and showing them up who were uh, six, seven years older. Than him. But he's been racing since he was six years old. So he's got eight years. You know, so, yeah, there's no doubt that, that 30 will be the new 50, you know, and very early 30s will be the time they get out. They won't be staying around until their 40s at all. You know, so it'll change. It certainly is happening again. Is this a Generation X thing, um, Aaron? Is this something you, you get in, you live fast, and uh, then you go and make your name for yourself somewhere else? Yeah, there's that potential. There's, there's that potential for sure. But I, I think, yeah, the, the days of guys going to their 50 are, are gone. And I think you only have to look at what's happened to Mark Scaife is, is pretty much a key of that. I mean, MS was 41. Um, we could add a few more to him, but we won't be cruel to him. But, um, yeah, I think 40 is pretty much the... The absolute ceiling, and we've got all these drivers, guys like Greg Murphy, Cam McConville, Jason Barguana, who, you know, we all remember them as their mid-20s. They're all now mid-30s to late-30s, so, um, you know, things have moved along, and the new generation, the mid-20s guys, the Will Davisons, the Jamie Winkups, the Winterbottoms, the Rick Kelly, uh, they're the guys who are here now, and, uh, and certainly not wanting to push out those other guys, because they've given um, they are still the names of our, of our sport. We are uh, we still haven't done a, a very good job, I don't think, of um, of pushing these new up-and-coming names. I mean, we've Scaife stopped driving. Who knows how long Craig Lowndes, Greg Murphy, those guys will go for, Russell Engel. When those names go, uh, we've got a tough job. So it's, um, it's definitely a sign of the times of how things are going. Well, the white flag lap this week is Michael Caruso, our latest winner on the series. And uh, when we asked him about the Auckland Herald's comment this year where they called uh, him and his teammate Lee Caruso and if he thinks that's going to be a problem for him now he's a race winner in the future it didn't help Lee Hullsworth who's a race winner or an event winner or a round winner whatever it's damn well called these days um, who they managed to mix his name up anyway did it Tony? No, not at all uh, look, you call him Robbo as Gary Rogers' team everybody has a nickname there he's Robinson Crusoe Robinson that's what his name is, Robbo yep and Robbo and Lethal are going to be a very hot property combination because that guy who wants to retire when he's 30, gee, if it keeps going like this, Aaron, he might not have a contract to get him there. 
I'll give you a stat. I'll give you a stat, Craig. Twenty-three percent of the thirty drivers on that grid had their first drive in a Gary Rogers car. Twenty-three mm. percent. Good one. You know. But I'd be interested to know, Tone, out of that twenty odd percent, who got their first win in a GRM car? Oh, true. Caruso, Holdsworth, Panda, Baguana. So yeah, many of those yeah. guys not just got their start, but um, started yeah. winning there as well. Absolutely, just it's phenomenal the job they do, and they do it. They're, you know, they're underdogs, they do it with less money, and they do it you know, bloody well. And they do it with an owner who is uh, not afraid to make the big statement and wear the uh, grid girl's driving <laughs> suit to prove it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick one then, Craig, before we, before we end up. I was sitting in Darwin having a lunch on the Thursday of race week, and I looked out the, um, through the, uh, the restaurant that I was sitting at or the pub, the outside area, and there was Gary walking down the street with his shirt off. Yes. No bling on, though, I'm happy to report, but I thought, gee, I can't think of any other V8 supercar team members who would have their shirt off out in the sun walking down the main street in Darwin on race week. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it is great. Hey, V8 Extra, is it coming up this week? I hope so. We're in strife if it doesn't. All right, so we can catch up with you and all the news on V8 Extra then. Absolutely. 1pm uh, in the eastern states on 7. All right, and when do you shoehorn White back out of that seat? <laughs> well, uh, I think he's going to shoehorn himself out for the next one in, in Townsville. He's uh, dancing up a storm, getting ready for Dancing with the Stars. No injuries yet, though. I might just have to check up on that. But, uh, yeah, look, I, um, I'm led to believe that yours truly is um, back to have another crack in Townsville. And from there on, it's in the hands of the Australian voting public on whether they keep uh, young Mr White uh, dancing his uh, little toes off. All right, then. So you'll be voting for that then. Tony, Tony Whitlock, uh, race facts. Now, I haven't ever given you the chance to tell people exactly why they get it. How, how can they get it? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, cover that another time some other way. But, um, yes, well, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm on my uh, job all the time up here in Darwin. Head from here to town, so we've got two and a half weeks to get there. And um, race facts is an event publication. And uh, uh, it's... Uh, Stats of um, facts, and that's about it. Now in its what year? 16th year. 16th year. Mm. Well, well, thank you to both for joining us here tonight on the V8 Insiders. Hopefully that dog's still behind the fence, Tony, <laughs> and we can catch up with you uh, in the near future. Well, I look forward to it, Craig. Thanks, mate. The White Flag Lap is up next. It's Michael Caruso, or, as we should call him from now on, Robbo. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lap, we speak to the newest winner in the V8 Supercar competition, Michael Caruso. And Robbo, congratulations. What a great way to end the weekend. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, um, it was a great way to finish off the weekend. Just uh, the toughest conditions you could ask for, having that race 200 kilometres, the longest race they've ever had up there. You just managed to run the Tonga strategy, your own race, faultlessly. 
Yeah, it was um, it was like definitely a very tough race. Uh, you know, the heat conditions and like you said, the first time uh, in Vets so because we've done a 200k race, so um, no doubt we were you know relatively happy that um, we could come away with that win. Why is Gary Rogers so good at picking young drivers? Um, look, I think Gary's um, he's been in the game for so many years now, and um, I mean he obviously knows what to look for in a driver, and um, you know he's he hasn't had you know they've all not been successes, but you know the majority have, and um, uh, again you know I think he's willing to give guys a go that um, you know that show not just potential, but um, I suppose that are very keen to you know to make the most out of their opportunity. What about you yourself, did you think that you could get a win in your second year in the series? Um, it's funny that I, I set my goal to, to have a win in my second year and um, I mean you always do tend to set your goals quite high and uh, so I suppose now I've achieved that I'm going to have to reevaluate what my goals are for the year. Your teammate looked almost as happy as you. Yeah he was, um, I mean you know me and uh, me and Lee are very good mates so it's um, you know he's share that with me which is really good and um, you know we're, um, we've been working really hard together to make sure that, uh, that our equipment's good enough to um, to get us up the front of the field. Now that you're both race winners does that make the pressure on you to perform even higher? Uh, no I don't think so I think it's if anything it's probably taken the, the pressure off me and um, you know now I've got that under my belt I can you know focus on developing myself a, a whole lot more and uh, you know having you know, having a crack at some things that you probably wouldn't want to do just to, you know, some race meetings you think, oh, you know, you better just settle for this and um, get some results. But now I've had a, a very good result. Um, you know, I can, you know, keep going a lot harder and not having to worry about it. Do you look at what you've put down as, as that benchmark as winning a race? Is now the goal top 10 every time you go out onto the track? Oh, no doubt. I mean, that's that was probably, that was my realistic goal for... The year, the whole year was to run in the top ten everywhere we go, and um, you know we've been fast enough to do that at every single round. So, I mean, it, um, the weekend obviously was really good to um, to come away with the win. I mean, we we came close at at Winton up until the safety car came out and um, pretty much took that away from us. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know there's a lot of new circuits we're going to this year, street circuits, and um, so you know. I think we're still in a good position to have a good championship shot for the team. I mean, Lee's running fifth in the drivers, and uh, we've moved up to 14th. So, you know, all in all, GRM um, seem to be moving forward, and, uh, you know, we just need to keep doing that. When you hear about the plans that the team has, the V2 supercars have for the future, are you encouraged by what's being talked about, bringing the car prices down and, and changing the series, perhaps not reflect the cars we see on the road, but to reflect a championship that can sustain itself? Uh, yeah, I think it's all good. I mean, it's great that they're, um, they're taking it in now, and you know, as a young driver, I know I'm going to be in the sport for a, for a while, hopefully, so uh, you know, it's good to see that they're taking a positive view on you know, how, how we need to, you know, they're listening to everyone's opinion and how we need to move forward as a group, and you know, I think we're, um, they're going about it the right way. Now, finally, Michael, it's been a, a heck of a week. How have you been able to uh, come down off that high? Uh, yeah, that has been has been a pretty big week. I mean, um, yeah, lots of phone calls and uh, lots of interviews, which has been good. But um, 
Yeah, I don't think I was definitely no condition on um, on Monday to um, for for any interviews and and stuff like that. I tell you what, though, did you get the Auckland Herald on uh, Monday morning to see if they remembered your name after the whole Lee Caruso incident? Yeah, funny. <laughs> so, no, I haven't seen any of that. So like the newspapers. So um, yeah, hopefully everyone remembers my real name now. My thanks to Robbo. I'm sure we'll be seeing him on the podium and that top step throughout the rest of his racing career. Also, thanks to Aaron Noonan and Tony Whitlock as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.